From our local high schools to the pros, the Dallas Morning News has got North Texas sports covered, and it's more than just the scores. From all the off-season moves to in-season adjustments and maybe even postseason glory, the DMN has got the inside scoop on your favorite teams, players, and coaches. You can follow every goal, save, bucket, and touchdown as the Dallas Morning News delivers real local sports journalism from the press box and locker room straight to your inbox. As soon as the podcast is over, head to dallasnews.com sports to see what Brad Townsend, Callie Kaplan, and the rest of the DMN gang has for you there. Hello and welcome to Mavs Daily, or maybe it should be called like Mavs Sometimes or Mavs Often, uh, because we uh, haven't been living up to the daily lately, but uh, we are now. We're breaking down a question, event, news, or trend uh, several days of the month having to do with the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Bobby Corral. I'm from Mavs Digital. Joining me now that he is uh, back home from Kentucky and either done or still in the middle of celebrating the Ravens' Big, big playoff win earlier today. It is uh, number one Lamar Jackson fan in the world, Isaac Harris. Isaac, what is up? What is up, Bobby? So, fun fact about the Ravens and Mavs connection. I remember back in the day when Joe Flacco made the you know improbable Super Bowl run. One of the greatest runs if you follow American football. And Dirk. One of had- the greatest runs if you're Isaac Harris. <laughs> let's let's <laughs> tap the brakes there. Hey, Flacco got paid off of that, but Joe Flacco's jersey was hanging up in Dirk Nowitzki's locker uh, for a time being. And I remember Scott uh, PR for the Mavs telling me the whole story about how Flacco and Dirk uh, had kind of affinity, a mutual affinity for each other. And uh, yeah, they kind of exchanged jerseys through PR departments. And Dirk had this Flacco jersey in his locker for some time. So another way Dirk and I just bond over over just the Ravens. So it's good. I think that you might be lying because I'm not sure I ever saw that Ravens jersey. I that might just be a total fabrication, but I'll I'll have to ask. I'll I'll do some investigating and, and come back with the truth. Uh Isaac, we're talking about a an above five hundred team now. You know? Just the sky's the, not falling. Think of the difference that like a week makes. So it wasn't long ago. The Mavs are what, two and four? You know, and, and staring down you know, they were one and four coming out of that uh, you know, really kind of disappointing win against the Hornets at the home opener on December 30th. And on New Year's Day, in come last year's Eastern Conference champion, the Miami Heat. Well, Dallas downs them. And uh, they, they eventually lost to the Bulls, of course. But then they won three in a row since then. And, hey, everything is pretty good. And now we'll talk about some of the stuff. Like, there's some uncertainty with COVID health and protocols and everything. But, like, just generally, after after what the Mavs did the other day to the Magic where – you know, you're playing pretty shorthanded down three guys. You still win. Uh, I think 112-98 was the final score. Coming off of the high of that Denver game, uh, both like physically speaking in terms of altitude and also just the the thrill of winning in overtime, a clutch game where they were able to score a lot of points in the clutch. Like, I don't know. It just like this is like the best week ever. <laughs> yes, it, it was uh, crazy because – you know, I guess we go, but if we just want to start after the Bulls game and these past three games, we just say that because they're on a three game winning streak and, you know, they, they beat Houston, which we all love when the, when the Mavericks beat, uh, 
the Rockets. And, you know, that was the first game that they made, you know, the front court switch. And they they put in uh, Maxie and Willie. And that was, you know, a shakeup of the starting unit. They brought Tim off the bench. And, uh, you know, it worked. They beat the Rockets. They're like, all right, cool. They build upon that. They go and play Denver. And that game, I think that was my favorite game of the season so far. More than the the fifty point you know win over the Clippers, which is a lot of you know it was fun. I, I'm happy for that, but it was just so fun to watch. Big shots, Luca thirty eight points, yeah, overtime clutch win like you said against a really good team in Denver. But then they come off that win, and you're like, all right, we have this Magic team, and you know Magic kind of had their own bad luck. Markel Fultz goes down before that, you know what a few days before they play the Mavericks. Uh, hate that for him, absolutely hate it. The Mavericks news comes out about COVID and health and safety protocols. And, but, you know, before we even talk about basketball stuff, I do, I do just want to say that's first and foremost, man, I, you know, the health of whoever tests positive for the Mavericks and everything with that. So talking basketball, I don't want to like gloss over that, but still, you know, that news comes out, Josh Brunson and Dorian are not going to play against Orlando. And you're like, all right. Well, Josh and Dorian are first and third in minutes played for the Mavericks this season. That's two of our best, you know, probably the best wing defenders. If you want to count Maxine that, however you want to do that, but where are they going to go from there? They go against Orlando and then it becomes the Michigan Wolverines, you know, backcourt tandem, basically your boys. Keep going. That, that was your boys. I thought about you the whole time. Uh, you know, Tim and Trey Burke both, you know, hit over, I think they both hit at least seven threes in the game, right? Or did they, or Tim hit six? Uh, yeah, Isaac, they combined for 65 points uh, <laughs> since you're asking about it. So the two of them just, in a league of star-studded duos, it was the Mavs' duo, Tim Hardaway Jr. and Trey Burke, that just that carried the day. Yeah, it, I still, they, so they win that game, and it's three games in a row. You know, I just tweeted out, uh, we're recording this uh, on Sunday night. I just tweeted out a little bit ago that, that you know, it's kind of fun. You know, the Mavericks have won three in a row. Luka's averaging over these past three games. He's averaging 30, 12, and 11. And we're looking like Porzingis is nearing a return. You know, I'm getting some tweets back. I'm like, hey, but but COVID, but COVID. I get all of that, but I'm just trying to talk about it from a basketball stand standpoint that it's a little bit different of a tone than – what you were mentioning earlier at the first part of the season, they lost a few and is a kind of a rough start. They've explained why it was a rough start and just how quick the season starting back and Porzingis being out. And so it looks like, it looks like Dallas has turned a page and now they're navigating. Like, I think a lot of teams will have to at some point this season, you know, we're seeing Boston, we're seeing Philly. Dallas is one of those teams right now. It's navigating COVID at the present moment of the roster, but now they're trying to navigate it and, they're on a three-game winning streak right now. Now, as quickly as we can forget about losing four out of six to open the year, things can happen on the floor that can make us forget about a three-game win streak, too. So, you know, I would always just say whether things are great or whether things are bad, you know, just stay the course, stay level-headed. Uh, Rick always talks about, you know, don't get too high after the highs, don't get too high, low after the lows and all that stuff. And, you know, that's what the players focus on. Obviously for fans, it's different. And for, you know, if you're not, if you're not on the floor, then it doesn't really matter what your emotions are doing. You can just kind of just ride the wave. Uh, but that's kind of why, you know, whenever things are looking bad and Anthony Davis has like seven offensive rebounds and Montrez Harrell is just flexing all over everybody. It's just like, I mean, there's just, you know, just 
tap the brakes, relax at all. Everything will, you know, be worked out because they are trying to figure it out. And they're going to have to figure it out for at least the next, I guess now, what, like five days or four days or however long it will be before two of the Mavs players can join. And then the third, uh, whichever of that trio tested positive, will be gone for an additional week. So they're going to have to make some adjustments. And, hey, you mentioned KP. Uh, we we can now call him probable starter, Kristaps Porzingis. He's listed as questionable on the depth chart or on the injury report. Uh, and then on, on the Mavs uh, game notes, they listed him as a probable starter. And so there's a really good chance that he's in the action tonight, which is awesome. But at the same time, that could take a little bit, too, to sort of like rework him in. And what are his minutes going to be like? What is his rhythm going to be like? You know, each of the uh, first couple games that he came back from injury last season, including the home opener, the, the season opener, which is also the home opener against Washington. And then also his first game back after that 10 game absence against the Clippers, you know, shooting nights weren't the best. It takes a little bit to get some rhythm going. And so, uh, and, and that's assuming Maxi Kaliba does play. Now, if he's out, he's listed as questionable. Uh, Brad Townsend reports that, uh, of course, this is sponsored by the, uh, the Dallas Morning News. So Brad Townsend is good people. Um, but he reports that there may be like some discrepancy with uh, Maxi's COVID test. And so maybe he's able to play. Maybe he doesn't have to enter the protocol. But if he does, like if he will be out for 10 to 14 days or whatever it's reportedly was at, at first glance, then like that's another huge adjustment. That's four of your top seven or eight rotation players. And so, um, you know, this is going to be a season of just like massive momentum shifts. You know, you, you win three games in five days, you're going to feel like you're going to live forever. And then you're going to have guys miss time with COVID and with injury and stuff. And it's going to bring you back down to earth. So it, it is going to be some choppy waters. But yeah, man, I mean... Everything that was going wrong, I felt like during the first six games, effort, intensity, shot making, of course, everything going on with Luca, all of those questions were kind of answered in the last three games. Luca's been great. They've been scoring. They've been shooting the crap out of the ball. Tim Hardaway Jr., I mean, his games against Houston and against uh, Orlando are like two of the best shooting games in Mavs history, just based on like efficiency and volume and scoring and everything. Uh, Trey Burke was sensational, and and he was really having a bad year before that game. He hadn't he really hadn't had a single good game all year. Um, you just need things to click. You need guys to step up. Uh, you need people to have good games whenever they've been struggling. Uh, but yeah, it's just going to be the whole season is just one massive adjustment. So just I mean, you really got to just buckle up and 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 be ready for anything. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned, you know, Trey Burke, you know, as soon as the news came out about Jay Rich and Dorian and Brunson, you know, in addition to KP being out going into that Orlando game, my first thought was really not even Tim, it was Burke. I'm like, all right, Trey's going to have to be huge for Dallas over this next, you know, week, basically offensively. And he goes out and have this massive game against Orlando. And you hope that he can keep that up because, you know, we've seen kind of, uh, you know, Rick kind of balance Luca out with Brunson and, you know, Brunson had a massive game. I want to say against Houston, I could be wrong on that where he had his big game. Um, but you know, when, you know, with Brunson being out in addition to Jay rich, you know, Dorian's not, um, I wouldn't say he's the, you know, one of the big scores on the team, but still it's like Brunson and Jay rich with Porzingis being out. It's like, all right, well, where are we at offensively without Luca? And that's where Burke has to step up. That's where Tim did. Now are we going to get seven threes a game from both of those, uh, yes, moving forward obviously. over the next week. Of course, that's exactly where I was going with it. Uh, so watch out, uh, Pelicans and Stan Van Gundy, but no, just looking at, I mean, I, 
I would just want to point out Luca's past three games to, that they've won. I mean, in these past three games, Luca, so much has been talking about his weight and his shape and his body and all of this stuff to start the season. And he, even he, he's like, Hey, I'm, I'm playing myself into shape. I'm getting there, you know, no big calm down. Basically that's, you know, for all of us out there. And, but over this past three games, he's had two triple doubles. He's averaging 30 points, 12 boards, 11 assists, 48% from the field, eight of 26 from three, 30% getting there, getting better. Uh, but 19 of 24 from the free throw line, I think he's right at 80% from the season so far. I could be wrong on that, but it's somewhere right through there. Uh, I mean, the 38 point overtime win. I, Luca has taken his game up a notch over these past three games. And I, I mean, it's obviously not a coincidence that the Mavericks are three and zero because a, a good portion of that is Luca, but even tying in KP to that, you know, Luca will have some help offensively when KP comes back, you know, Whenever it is, if it, if it's Monday night against the Pelicans, we you know you would assume that if it's not against New Orleans, it's probably sometime in the next coming days, whether it's the Hornets or the Bucks, whatever it is. But you know, right now I looked up right before this podcast, you know, leaders in usage uh, for the NBA this season, and uh, I was like, all right, Luca has to be top five, right? Um, he's number one at thirty at thirty seven, awesome, thirty seven percent. Uh, right underneath him, this scoring stat muse is Brad Beal, Giannis, Steph, and uh, LeBron. But Luca leading the way with that, and you know you, however you want to view that, positive, negative, whatever it is, KP is going to help lighten the load on that whenever KP does come back. Yeah, and and that's going to be like a big helping him sort of lighten the load is going to be really big. Not just because you want him to be in tip top shape and everything, but. And this is going to be stating the obvious, but it's important to say this. KP is just like an offensive weapon. You know, I yeah. I will I will fight like an army single-handedly for Maxi Kleba. Like I love Maxi oh, Kleba. Love, love him. And frankly, Josh Green, Wes Wundu, they played with a ton of energy. Dorian Finney-Smith the same way. But when it was Luca with like Maxi, Willie, Dorian, and Josh Richardson, this is not a lot of offense in the starting lineup. You know, like Rick wants to start the game with defense, which, hey, is important because if you watch the first four games of the Mavs year, they did not start any of those games with defense. And that was a big reason why they lost three of those games. I think they're fifth in the league defensively right now. By yeah, the way. tied for third. Tied for third in, oh, in okay, defensive rating. Time. Yeah. Um, and since Christmas Day, so excluding the first two games, basically since the 26th, they're number one, which is very, very Ooh. cool. Um, yeah, it's very good. But. KP can do a lot of defensive stuff. Now, he's not the same as Maxi. And what I wonder is, like, once, you know, if, if, if Maxi doesn't miss time or once he does come back, do they go Maxi Porzingis or do they go Porzingis Willie or do something else, like do the, the four wings with Porzingis thing? I have no idea uh, because Maxi and Porzingis are kind of different defenders. But Porzingis can do a lot of the same stuff offensively as Maxi does, but he just attracts way more attention. Like, Maxi led the league in open three-point shots last year. Uh, Porzingis does not get any open three-point shots because, like, a guy is always glued to him. And so the fact that he's on the floor means that Luka will have to work way less, not only because Porzingis is going to get shots, but because the defense has to respect him. Go back and watch the the, the, the Magic game especially. Luka really struggled from the field. Aaron Gordon, I thought, did a really good job. But the Magic were just, yeah. like, sending two, three, four guys his way. I mean, teams are really clogging the paint against Luka, kind of giving him – the Giannis treatment almost where it's just like 
we're going to plant five guys in the paint, and if you can get around us, cool, but you're not going to be able to get around us. You're going to commit five turnovers. You're going to commit some charges, and we're going to make your teammates make open shots, and they haven't been able to do that. But if you put Porzingis at the – well, consistently, I guess. But if you put Porzingis at the top of the arc, you can't do that anymore, and suddenly driving lanes become more open. Uh, suddenly, you know, Luka doesn't have to work as hard to beat a double team. Suddenly his passing lanes become more open. Like, everything is just easier – and so, yes, his usage rate will go down, but also just the amount he has to work to do a basic thing will go down too. So it's like a double whammy of goodness that's just going to energize the Mavs uh, starting lineup because not only is it, you know, like I said, Luke is going to work less. And also, they're just going to get an injection of offense from someone else, which is really, yes. really important because as cool it is, as it is to win games with defense, and, and that's what they're trying to do, you know, they've gotten off to some slow starts ever since making that offensive change. Uh, ever since making that starting lineup change and and you know you don't want it to be six to four after five minutes it would be really cool if it was like 12 to four you know what I mean yeah and you know it's that put a heavy lifting a little bit on Brunson and a little bit on Burke you know when KP's not there because KP just gives a different look you know if if you just take the starting unit and you know if we go with the probable starters that are on the Mavs game notes for Monday night against Pelicans and you're basically putting poor Zingas into the maxi role of this, a hey, kind of stretch for, but when Luca's not controlling the ball or Luca is checked out of the game, it gives the Mavericks a whole different option that, yeah, if you want to throw, throw the ball to KP in the post and just give it a different look. Sure. Go do it. If you want to give KP the ball at the, at the shoulder or the elbow or something like that and say, Hey, go, you know, do something with it right there. He can just shoot over the top of somebody. It just gives them a different option that nobody else on the roster. I mean, honestly, not many people in the league can give a team when KP's out on the floor like that. And I'm glad you mentioned Luca getting into the paint like he did against Orlando. I looked at some of his numbers earlier today, just about just him getting into the paint. It feels like he's been so effective when he gets close to the basket. And this according to Synergy is at 50, 57% on runners, 60% on non-post-up shots, 60% on post-ups, all over one at least one 1.0 points per possession. That's really good numbers. He's when he gets into the paint, so, like he's scoring basically, and he's shooting the ball really, really well. So other teams, like you said, you know they're they're stacking the box a little bit, you know, like a Giannis thing because if Luca gets there, he's basically going to score. So they're just going to dare other other players to shoot it. And one of the positives going a step further is Maxi Kleba at forty seven percent on three this year. Maxi, let's go! Killing it, man. He's killing it. And, and you know, he will not shoot 50% from three this year, but Josh Richardson isn't going to shoot 25% or whatever he's at right now. And, like, Tim Hardaway's had some really good games in the last week, but before that, he was in the 20s. I mean, that Dorian Finney-Smith is still in the 20s. Like, that's not going to stay the same. And the other thing, too, that KP opens up, whenever you pull, you know, the other team's power forward or the other team's center away from the basket like that, it's going to open up the lobs to Willie and to Dwight Powell and to Maxi and all these other guys that roll occasionally – like, I know that everybody is thinking, like, what is wrong with Dwight Powell? Whenever he sets a screen for Luka, there's four guys in the paint. Like, yeah. you can't throw alley-oops whenever there's, like, 75 guys between you and the rim. And so, whenever you open up more space, it makes their job way easier, too. And I I feel like, you know, Willie's been really good since coming into the starting lineup. The, the game against the Magic was not... I feel like his best, but he was really, really good against Denver and against uh, Houston in both those games. He was awesome against Jokic and Christian Wood, uh, who I I was worried was going to like 
dominate the Mavs because guys like oh, Christian too. Wood usually do. Just the like Rashawn Holmes types uh, always just really just pulverize the Mavs. Um, but Willie did a great job against Wood. Uh, but you know him and Powell and Maxi roll sometimes. KP roll sometimes. Whenever you have the threat of shooting on the perimeter, all of a sudden everybody's job gets easier. Like a, he, KP is the rising tide that's going to lift all of these boats. Uh, because guys who are open are still going to be open, and guys who were maybe facing two or three bodies are only going to be facing one or two bodies. So everything is going to be easier, uh, and it's just going to be good times. And it's it's a good if it does come to be that he plays. And now the the probable starters thing is wrong all the time. It's believe me, don't pay attention to it. That goes for you, Isaac, and for fans or everybody. The probable Rick's starters are wrong like sixty five percent of the time, but. <laughs> If KP does play, tomorrow's opponent is a really good team for him to come back against because Zion and Steven Adams are a couple of butt kickers down there. And it's going to yeah. be good to have KP's length around the rim on defense. And also it's going to be good to have his spacing on offense because Zion and, and Steven Adams are vacuums. Lonzo Ball gets a bunch of rebounds. Like These guys get every rebound. They're the number one rebounding team in the NBA. Um, number two on offense, number one, I believe on defense, maybe number two, but they're number one overall. They get 54% of available rebounds. Those guys just eat glass for breakfast. And whenever you have KP out there, that's pulling one of them away from the rim. That's awesome. If it's going to be Steven Adams, that's even better because you know that he doesn't want to be way out there. Make Zion work by guarding KP. That's great too. So just tactically, as it relates to this specific game, it would be a really good one for him to come back. Yeah, that I think how... I'm really fascinated with how, what Rick does moving forward, you know, whenever, let's just say Maxie's available, uh, whenever that that is. I think whenever Maxie and Porzingis are both healthy and available to play, I think they both start. I think Maxie's a four and KB's a five. But it's I am intrigued with, you know, if when you go back to, because for the, now I'm kind of like trying to figure out how to word it here. To start this whole season, it's basically been Dwight or Willie at the center spot. And they're both the rim runner, you know, five that is going to set the pick, run to the rim, kind of give you the vertical threat, all of that. When you bring KP in, kind of like after Dwight went down last year against the Clippers, toward, you know, all of that, they bring KP in and they went to the KP at the five, small ball four, basically, with Dorian and all of that. They made the switch that we thought that they would make in the playoffs. They just had to make it a little bit early because of Dwight injury. So will they go back to that and, it, and the offense look a little bit different? Or will they keep it, keep the offense like it looks now, put Porzingis in the maxi role, keep Willie at center to where you still have the rim rolling guy? So that that's what I'm intrigued with. And, I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing because it gives you the flexibility. It could be something they start with, but when you when it comes to closing the game, you might see you know four shooters around Luka at that point. You might take Willie off and then put you know Maxi in or then put Dorian in or something like that. Now you have four guys on the floor that can hit a shot whenever Luka's you know, handling the ball. So I am fascinated by that. I'm fascinated how they match up against new Orleans. I would assume they probably put Willie on Zion and Porzingis on, you know, Adams as far as defensively, uh, and let Willie just chase Zion around with you know, all of that. But, uh, it, it should be a lot of fun. When I watch the Pelicans, I get mad watching Zion and Adams together because I'm like, why are they doing that? I, it's just like frustrates me. But then when you look at the numbers, it kind of works and it's like working for them. So it's not just an eye test thing. You have to look at the numbers on it too. Yeah. But I mean, it, you know, they're getting a lot of rebounds and they're, they're defending quite well, you know, very physical team. 
but they cannot shoot, man. That's their that's their issue. And so like the the drawbacks are very visible and that's going to be important in this game like Lonzo had a really big game against Dallas last season in that that early March game that went to overtime. He had like seven threes or something. He's kind of his been shot looks with the good. Shot. What? I think his shot looks better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's he's become a. I I mean, last year he was like thirty seven percent from three, but this year he's kind of off to a slow start. Brandon Ingram obviously is great, but with Eric Bledsoe in there as a starter, he's not as much of a three point shooter as Drew Holiday was. So I mean, they're kind of like they they hurt for spacing a little bit. JJ Redick is coming off the bench. At least I'm pretty sure. I know he was. I haven't watched their most recent games or anything, but um, and and he's kind of not having the best year of his career or anything. And so uh, it is kind of a, a a downtrodden offense. And so it could be a slugfest. But to your point about Willie guarding Zion, that's if Maxi can't play. If Maxi can play, yeah. it was just one game, but Maxi did a really really good job on Zion. And so this is the game where maybe like having that sort of bullpen thing of just a stable of guys you can throw out there, whether it's Maxie or Willie or Dwight, who I don't remember if Dwight defended. Well, I guess Dwight wasn't even in that game. That was after Dwight's injury. feels like Dwight could do okay against Zion too, um, just because he is like Dwight made some plays on Jokic, for example, those like big burly guys. He just somehow like he does well against Anthony Davis. He was always the Mavs answer to, and like Boogie and like these big guys that back down because Dwight has the hands. He pokes balls away and stuff. Uh, so it just it will not hurt to have like three four guys that you can throw out at Zion just in case and let KP worry about Stephen Adams. I, I we don't need KP chasing around Zion. That just no, sounds no. It sounds like a bad time. <laughs> no, but I mean, talk if we want to say the unlucky part about playing New Orleans now is if we don't have Maxi. You know, in in a perfect world, you'd have Maxi against Zion. You'd have Dorian against Ingram, and now you could potentially be without both of them, and you know Josh Richardson on top of that. Uh, so then they they have the Mavericks will have to ask themselves the question Monday night: Who's going to guard Brandon Ingram? Who's having an incredible start this season? I think he's averaging over twenty five a game the last time I checked. And we can see Josh, Josh Green. Green. <laughs> Josh Green, welcome to the NBA. I mean, Luca uh, Ingram <sighs> seems like. Ingram isn't the quickest guy in the world, but he I think he's Luca does better against like the more like deliberate guys, like Kawhi, you know, like he does yeah. really well against those guys. Ingram is like hey, Ingram is snaky. Wesley Wandu could get the start Monday night. I'm just saying he, I, he he was actually my pick. I thought he was going to start against Orlando. I thought Rick was going to pull a Dorian rookie season Dorian thing. If you go back to Dorian's rookie season, you know, Dirk goes down with the injury at the beginning of that season after like the first week or so. And <clears throat> Dorian hadn't played really. He was out of the rotation into the bench. He was an undrafted guy, just made the roster out of training camp. Dor- he inserts Dorian. I remember that the first time I seen him, like, Dorian Vinny Smith's going to start? He goes on to start like 30-something games the rest of that season. He plays in, I think, 81 out of 82 games that season, too. So I thought Rick was going to pull the Wesley Wandu. He goes with Josh Green. kind of the same concept, but I could see a Wandu getting the start. I mean, I guess Josh Green is. He's on the probable starter thing, but like you said, 65% of the time, that thing's wrong. Yeah, could be wrong. Could be wrong. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, I think those are your two guys to defend Ingram. And then like Luca, if he gets switched off, maybe Tim, if he gets switched off. I mean, if Maxi does play, Maxi could switch off and guard Ingram. You know? Oh yeah. He, oh yeah. He's For got sure. the, the length and the quickness and and like the strength to sort of like, you know, push back on Ingram a little bit. So we'll see. I mean, it's it's going to be a really interesting game. Um, you know, of course, if if it does come to be like you said that that Maxi's out, then obviously like 
his health is more important than like the Mavs like X's and O's <laughs> yeah. game plan against Zion. Um, but whether he plays or not, uh, the Mavs are going to have a lot of choices and a lot of options. And and remember last season, the Mavs played the Pelicans four times, but Zion only played in one of those games. So this is only this is only Mavsdom's second chance to see Zion, and so it'll be really interesting to see how they kind of go up against that. And 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 really too, I mean, since they played the Lakers, they have not played a team that is like that big, really. I mean, yeah. the Bulls are like kind of big, and and they beat up the Mavs a little bit on the offensive glass. Charlotte was able to get in and 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 just grab some long rebounds. Guys like Lamelo, just like more more pesky kind of stuff. Well, the Pelicans have the peskiness. They got Lonzo, who's a great rebounder. And then they also have the Brutes. They got Zion. They got Steven Adams, Jackson Hayes. I mean, they got some big guys. And so this is going to be a really big test for the Mavs, not only stopping Zion, but also doing all the little things, really like testing their their metal uh, on the defensive end because you do not want to get pounded by those guys. Otherwise, it's going to be a long night. Yeah, and I wonder if Dallas will try to get in a little, uh, you know, up the pace a little bit. You know, I think the last time I checked, uh, Dallas was 20 20- Six twenty seventh in pace. Uh, I think we're 29th in field goal attempts, you know, in the league. So uh, Dallas does like to you know slow it down a little bit. Maybe against New Orleans, you pick it up a little bit. Try to get Zion running more. Try to get Adams running more. And when you have somebody like KP, you know, compared to somebody else, like you can up the pace a little bit more. And you know, KP, the trailing three. Let's do it. I'm all about uh, a trailing three from Porzingis. But I, I think I want to echo something you said earlier in the podcast too. Of, Let's let's temper everything with with Porzingis once he does come back. Let's give him a little bit of time. If he comes back on Monday night and he looks rusty and he's not shooting the ball well, he's going to take some time too. It, it, you know, it's his start to the season basically. He wasn't there in training camp. I mean, he was there, but it, he's still ramping up. And if he's if he's playing, then he's good to go, and everybody signed off on it. But it's still going to. I'm not expecting a. 37 point game for Porzingis in his first game. If he's missing shots and looks a little sluggish defensively, offensively, I, I'm kind of expecting that as he gets back into the groove. Yeah, it'll be feeling it out. I mean, none of these guys had a preseason. We all saw how weird the first couple games of the year was for everyone, not just for the Mavs. I mean, every team was like, we're playing basketball again now. So just kind of, you know, let's 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 go easy on uh, on the unicorn whenever he comes back. Unless, of course, he goes for 40, in which case Isaac, undefeated, like let's just parade route posted all across the city. Um, this is fun, man. Any other, uh, any any kind of closing thoughts or, or any anything that we missed? I guess we kind of looked back a little bit, looked ahead a little bit, but, you know, something could have been lost along the way. Oh, man. Um, I mean, I, I think just the elephant in the room right now is just how, you know, the league, um, the Mavericks being one of these first teams that are uh, kind of dealing with, um, yeah, I mean, COVID-19 in, in a league that's outside of the bubble. And, you know, last year we saw everything inside the bubble. We're outside of it now. And seeing how what the league expected to happen slash what, you know, what they didn't and how everything is adjusted and, you know, teams having eight players are playing and how that, you know, how you do contract, you know, tracing, you know, moving forward. I think a lot of things the fans are trying to figure out, too, and NBA explain that. So I think, you know, that's the elephant in the room right now is Dallas is missing, you know, three players for the next, you know, at least two to three games. We don't know what's going on with Maxi right now. He could play on Monday night or he could be out for the next two weeks. 
And, you know, for somebody like Maxi, I mean, you can make an argument that missing Maxi is more important than the other three guys. When you look at the best three-man lineup for the Mavericks right now, it's, uh, you know, it's it's Jay Rich, Maxi, and Luka at a plus seven net rating. You look at the best two-man lineup right now, that's Maxi and Luka at a plus 10 and 158 minutes together. So Maxi has been a massive part of the success of the Mavericks right now. Like you said, 47, 48% from three, he's literally one of the best three and D guys in the league at six ten, which is crazy to think about. So missing him, if they do miss him for 10 to 14 days, that would be a huge loss for them. So a lot of stuff that is fluid right now for Dallas, as we don't know who's going to be available, but it looks like one of the main pieces in Porzingis is nearing a return. Yeah. And kind of the whole league sort of stance on all of the protocols and processes and everything it just seems to be like shrug guy emoji um, yeah and and hopefully you know there's a little more I don't know I mean it's really hard to be transparent about things that are as delicate as like individuals health and and you know medical records and things I mean like that's really frankly none of your business even if you're a huge Mavs fan um, but you know the league I, I, we have to kind of be careful what we say but like the league is obviously very concerned with optics and you know the bubble was a triumph of science and planning and everything and business and all that stuff. And the first couple of weeks of the NBA season have, have been, you know, maybe less, less triumphant. Uh, so hopefully, you know, things, things can kind of uh, sort of settle down a little bit at, at some point and, and the vaccines can be rolled out and, and we'll all be good. In the meantime, I think a really just like simple, practical step the league can take is expanding rosters. Uh, yes. Bobby Marks yes. and a bunch of people have been talking about this for like for a very long time. Say so like ex- expand to 19, expand to 20. Like imagine if the Mavs could have just kept their training camp roster. That would be cool. Uh, and then if you open up a roster, JJ Perea would still be here. Yeah. If you had like 18, 19, 20 spots, then sure. Maybe you maybe you get like stash guys like Freddie Gillespie or Devontae Patterson, the guys who are on the training camp roster or JJ Perea, of course. Uh, or guys who are going to be in the G League. You've seen the G League draft pool. It's a lot of guys. I mean, I know that that Alonzo Trier is like a, a meme name for a lot of p- people on Mavs Twitter, but like Alonzo Trier, Yogi Ferrell, like there are a lot of guys that are going to be in the G League this year that are like really good, like quality players that are rotation caliber NBA players who teams like the Mavs and the Heat and the Celtics and the 76ers could really use right now because of all and the Nets too and I mean the the Grizzlies and like all of these teams that are missing guys because of this like it would be rad if they had a couple extra roster spots so uh, maybe the league will implement that and that's particularly noteworthy uh, G League guys for the Mavs because the Texas Legends recently announced that they are not gonna uh, participate in the bubble the G League is doing a, a, a bubble season uh, down in Atlanta, I believe, and the legends are not going to be there. And so if the Mavs do decide to send Nate Hinton or Tyler Bay to the G League, they would assign them to a different team uh, in the G League, similar to like how the Blazers sent down Jalen Horde and uh, they sent down Gary Trent Jr. to the legends in the past. Uh, the Mavs will have to do that with another team. That's if, you know, if they decide to now, like for instance, right now, like Nate Hinton and Tyler Bay are dressing because the Mavs don't have enough. They don't have 15 players, 13 players. So, uh, but yeah, we'll see. But hopefully the league will, will take that step. Seems really logical. It seems easy to do and gives a lot of guys the opportunity to get back in the league at really no cost to the teams. Obviously they would play their, sa- they pay their salary, but as like a two-way contract, it wouldn't count against the cap. So everybody wins. We're all good. So hopefully that happens. 
um, Isaac and Bobby for president or whatever. <laughs> like, let's go. Uh, all right. Good stuff, Isaac. Uh, you can follow Isaac at uh, Isaac L. Harris on Twitter. You can read his stuff on Mavs.com. You can listen to his voice on Mavs Daily and also on Locked On Mavs where he is doing uh, – it's, it's not Locked On sometimes. It really is a daily podcast over there with Locked On Mavs. Uh, my name is Bobby Corello. You can follow me on Twitter at Bobby Corello. The one last plug that I will have for you, uh, in addition to listening to Open Run, the, the most recent episode of Open Run is really, really good. Skin and Harp talked about Mark Aguirre and kind of what happened back then and – and Harp's perception of the whole thing. Really, really interesting stuff. It's a must-listen if you're an older Mavs fan who lived through that. Um, and also, equally, if you're a younger Mavs fan who's maybe never even heard of Mark McGuire. Really, really interesting Mavs history. Uh, and then also check out Sounds from the Baseline on YouTube. We got, I believe, we just shared our third episode. Or maybe it's in the editing process. But I watched the first cut of that earlier today. And it's very good stuff. So... Uh, go check that out. It's a great program made by Jay Lim and Jason Chenick and Mike Marshall. And unfortunately for everybody else, I'm in it sometimes too. So yeah, check that out. Uh, thank you, Isaac, for joining me. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review. Uh, follow us on your favorite podcast platform. And we will see you some other time in the future on Mavs Daily. <laughs>